Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So we continue our series in the book of Acts. I've been on a long series. This is like, I think, maybe the longest series I've ever done in the church. I think it's 16 weeks so far, but I didn't want to cut it short, and I wanted to get through the book of Acts. And so uh, we're, we're continuing this in the book of Acts, and our theme is serving Christ together. That's our theme. And according to the book of Acts, our mission is to go and make disciples of, of all nations. Not just the United States, not just our neighborhood, but of all nations. We're called to make disciples. Um, last week we looked at chapter 20 of Acts, where the Apostle Paul says, Farewell to the elders in Ephesus. And basically, Paul planted that church, and he knew that he had in his heart that he wanted to go to Jerusalem, the Apostle Paul. He wanted to get to Jerusalem for the, for the Feast of Pentecost. And I think he knew in his heart this would be his last opportunity. He knew God was continually preparing him, that he was going to be arrested, that he was going to go into prison, that, uh, you know, that there was going to be difficulties coming his way. So he really pushed towards that way. He wanted to get to Jerusalem. So he went and... and and said goodbye to the elders there in Ephesus, and he prayed over them and encouraged them to remain faithful and true, and, and he shared with them to guard their hearts against false teachings and to continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, which is really something that we're all called to do. Today we're going to cover a big portion of three chapters from Acts chapter 21 through Acts chapter 23. And it's really um, the, the place where Paul arrives in Jerusalem and then, man, things just start going crazy. And then all of a sudden, uh, basically, he's arrested. And we're going to walk through this. I'm going to summarize it for us today because it's too much to read for us. But, man, I really encourage you to read through Acts chapter 21, 22, and 23. There's always something in God's Word that we can apply to our hearts. There's always revelation in the midst of God's Word that can come alive to us and that can change us. I believe change can really happen when we read God's Word and then the power of the Holy Spirit impacts our lives. So I encourage you to read that, but let me just summarize what's taking place right now in Acts chapter 21 through 23. As we enter Acts 21, the Apostle Paul is making his way to Jerusalem. And I share that he was already at the, he was trying to get to the Feast of Pentecost. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he met uh, James and the other elders there in Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem church. He shared with them, man, all the wonderful accomplishments. Remember, we've walked through all the different things that the Apostle Paul had experienced, how the, basically there was healings, there was miracles that were taking place. Uh, man, people were being set free of, of de demonic spirits. Uh, people were, Paul would lay, pray over handkerchiefs and People would touch the handkerchiefs and be healed. It was supernatural going on. And people were coming to salvation. They were turning away from their wicked ways and they were choosing to follow after Jesus Christ. And when he was sharing with the elders everything that was taking place, man, they were all rejoicing together. You know, testimonies are powerful. When you hear all of a sudden someone's life change, it just encourages all of us, man, let's continue to keep the faith. Let's continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what's taking place. But in the midst of that, there's something else that's happening. The elders of the church were super concerned about the Apostle Paul being there in Jerusalem. They were concerned for his safety because they, they, there was reports that was going through Jerusalem that Paul was preaching uh, uh, things or rumors that he was teaching the Jews 
who were living among the Gentiles, that they no longer had to obey the laws or the Jewish customs. And this wasn't true. Paul was sharing with the Gentiles that they were not bound by the same Jewish customs and covenants. Such a, and the big one was circumcision, that you're not bound by that any longer if you're a Gentile. It was never Paul's, it was never Paul's intention to cause confusion amongst the Jewish society. His intention was to bring the gospel to all people. So help to mitigate the situation, the elders and Paul, uh, they encouraged Paul with four other guys to go through this process where he'd go to the temple and basically they'd purify themselves. They would shave their heads. Uh, they would go through some rituals of the Jewish customs. And then there would be a sacrifice uh, uh, for them all at the end of this. And I know just a couple weeks or three weeks ago I was sharing that there is no more sacrifice needed once Jesus died on the cross. But Pastor Tom, so then why is the Apostle Paul going through all this? He was trying to eliminate any potential conflict with the Jewish leadership. He was trying to bring the revelation of the good news of the gospel to the people. And it reminds me of the scripture that you can find in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, where Paul writes, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. It's not that he's stepping into sin. But he's stepping into an area where he's willing, even if he doesn't feel like it's necessary, if, he, if it, if it requ is required of him so that he can share the gospel, he's going to do it. Paul was trying to be respectful of the Jewish customs and the rituals. At the same time, he, man, he was in the, this quandary. At the same time, he wasn't wanting to burden down the Gentiles, which were the non-Jewish people. He didn't want them burdening them down with unnecessary customs that would hinder them from following Jesus. Stay with me for a few minutes here. But while Paul was in the temple, some Jews from southern Asia, they saw him, they spotted him, and they said, hey, isn't that the man? Isn't that the guy that's preaching the heresy that you don't have to obey the Jewish customs anymore? And they grabbed Paul, and they told the people about this man, and they drugged him out, and they were uh, going to beat him. They were going to uh, uh, punish him. And in verse 28 of chapter 21, it says that they accused Paul of defiling the temple by bringing Gentiles into the temple. That was rumors as well. All these accusations agitated the people, and this riot broke out. There was an entire mob as they dragged him out of the temple to kill him. But the news of the riot all of a sudden spread. Some of the Roman officials heard that, hey, there's a riot down at the temple. What's going on? And they sent... There, we've, by the way, we've had like four police calls down to our church in the middle of the night now. We're getting charged for every one of them. So whoever's causing a riot, stop it. Anyhow, um, so they send them down there to break up this riot. Well, they find the whole thing is about this guy named Paul. And so to, to just kind of eliminate everything, they basically arrested Paul, put him in chains, and they were taking him to a fortress and breaking up the riot. The Roman officers uh, who arrested him, they were taking him to the fortress now imagine this, Paul's arrested, he's in chains, and they, they, in Scripture it actually says they had to lift him up because people were trying to kill him so much. And as they're walking to this fortress, this entire mob is following them, and they were shouting, kill him, kill him, kill him. Think of the hatred that is happening in the hearts of people right now. Think, and I, it kind of reminds me of some of, the things, some of the hatred that's happening in our society today. As they were taking him up the steps to the fortress, Paul then all of a sudden, he, he, he asked the commander in charge to give him an opportunity to speak to the crowd. 
Paul began to share with the crowd his testimony. He offered it basically up a, as a form of defense. He shared with them how he was a devoted Jew who was educated under Gamaliel, how he was trained in all the Jewish laws and customs, and how he was zealous in, to honor God in everything that he did. He shared even how he persecuted the followers of the way, those, saint, those people who called themselves Christians, how some died before his eyes, how others were thrown into prison. And in verse 6 of chapter 22, Paul began to share a testimony of how he was on the road to Damascus when all of a sudden this bright light all of a sudden put him down to the ground. It was so bright, so powerful. He fell to the ground and a voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's sharing his testimony. When he asked, who are you, Lord? The voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one who you persecute. Paul shares the rest of his testimony regarding all that had happened to him. And in verse 21, Paul then told the mob how Jesus had spoken to him. Because basically, he was sharing with them that he, he had tried to go to Jerusalem earlier. But really, Jesus, in a vision, just said, no, no, it's not even, don't even go there now. Because they're not going to accept your testimony. And he shares that with this mob and then he says in verse 21 that the Lord told him, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. And all of a sudden, man, this riot, everybody, that, the mob that was out there, they went crazy. They went crazy. They became enraged. They threw off their coats in disgust and began to shout at, at him, away with him. He isn't fit to live. The Roman commander brought Paul into the fortress, ordered him, catch this, he ordered him to be beaten so that he basically would confess to whatever crime he committed. They didn't even know what crime he committed. Beat the guy until he confesses. Don't you, aren't you glad we don't live in that kind of society, that you get beaten so you confess? But before they could actually start beating Paul, he basically says, is it legal for you guys to beat a Roman citizen before you, he, you, he's tried? What? You're a Roman citizen? Yeah, I'm a Roman citizen. So the officer immediately went to inform the commander of the news. The commander went to the Apostle Paul, began to question him, and found out he was a Roman citizen, stopped all interrogations. We're getting there, guys. Hang on with me for a little bit more. The next day, the commander arranged for Paul to speak before the Jewish high council. You've got to understand what's happening. He doesn't even know what Paul did. What's the accusation against this guy? I don't see any fault with this guy. What, what are you accusing him? So he arranges this meeting with the high council, the Jewish council. He wanted to understand the accusation. As Paul began to share with the high council, there was a lot of tension. And you can read that for yourself. But there's a lot of tension between Paul and the high priest. And, and it wasn't going well. It wasn't looking well for Paul at all. But then all of a sudden, Paul realized that in the high council, there wasn't just Pharisees. There was actually Sadducees. These are the religious rulers of the day. And he recognized there was two different groups of people, Pharisees and Sadducees. And then he shouted out there in verse, 20, verse 6 of Acts 23. He says, brothers, I am a Pharisee as were my ancestors. And I am being on, I'm on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. Now that might not make a lot of sense to you. But basically what Paul just did, he divided the entire room. Because the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead, and the Sadducees did not. 
And all of a sudden, this argument all of a sudden between two groups of people took place. All of a sudden, no one's paying attention to, to Paul anymore. And it became such a riot in the room that the Roman officers removed Paul out of the room just for his safety as well. And they left that, that arena. So Paul escaped that situation. The next morning, a group of Jews, it says in Scripture, made an oath that they wouldn't eat or drink until they had killed the Apostle Paul. And you can read that in Acts chapter 23. Bottom line, the plot for assassinating Paul had, com had commenced. But soon the news of this plot was discovered by the Roman commander. Long story short, they take Paul with an army and basically get him over to Caesarea, Caesarea uh, to be presented before trial in the governor Felix. That brings us up currently to a two things that really stood out to me as I was reading the scripture, and I hope that you read scripture, and I hope that I always pray before I start reading the Bible, and I say, God, reveal to me what you want me to see in the scripture, and in these three chapters, there's two things that really stood out to me. One was the hatred of men's hearts, or the hatred of people's hearts, and the love of the gospel. They're two polarizing Completely opposite things. The hatred of people's hearts and the love of the gospel. When I say the love of the gospel, I'm referring to the action that God took on behalf of all people. The action of sending his son Jesus to die on a cross, to be the sacrifice for each one of our sins, once and for all. The love that it takes to lay down your life, own life for the lives of others, it's self-sacrificing the scripture calls this type of love an agape love. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that's not looking out for yourself. It's that special love that's looking out for someone else. That I'm willing even to sacrifice my own self, whatever it might be. Maybe I'm willing to sacrifice. My son, Evan, wasn't Brett. I don't, yeah, I don't think it was Brett. He wasn't quite that good yet. My son, Evan. I'm just teasing. Brett, if you're watching, I'm so sorry. We found out... Um, I think it was in his junior year. We didn't even know about it. We'd give him lunch money every day to buy lunch at school. And he was taking all that money and he was saving it. And he was giving it to help feed someone in, in the school they were doing a cause. For the whole year, he didn't eat lunch. Because he was sacrificing of himself to someone else. You know, as a parent, boy, you know what? You're walking a, a cloud nine. I didn't even know about it till later. And I'm thinking, man, and that's the type of love. That, that we're talking about here. It's an agape love. It's a self-sacrificing love. When Paul was sharing his testimony before the mob that wanted to kill him, he made the following statement. I've already read it, but I'm going to read it to you again today because this is going to be our focus of the message. Acts chapter 22, verse 21. But the Lord said to me, that the Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word that then they all began to shout, away with such a fellow. He isn't fit to live. They yelled, threw off their coats and tossed handful of dust into the air. The first thought that I want to share with you today is this. The danger of embracing hate. This thought that God could love the Gentiles as much as he loved the Jews was an insult, was an insult to the Jewish religious leaders. The idea that Paul presented that the Gentiles were more open to hear the good news of the gospel was ludicrous. They, they were more, that their ears were more in tune to what, what God was going to say, that was a ludicrous statement. It was blasphemous. 
meaning that it was offensive to God. How could, how could God even hear those type of things? Because we are God's chosen people. Yet this chosen people had this hatred in their hearts. Man, it reminds me that we always have to keep in check with our, our spirit. That we always have to look within ourselves. And you're like, Pastor Tom, I'm not, I don't hate anybody. But yeah, man, you're jealous of that one person. And you really wish that... Some... See, jealousy will lead to hate. There's all kinds of things that continue to lead our hearts into hate. And we've got to always be constantly aware of that. When Paul shared his personal testimony and encounter with Jesus to the religious leaders, it had zero effect on their thinking. It didn't change anything. The idea that a Savior who had been waiting for, you know, they've been waiting for for thousands of years was someone like Jesus was absolutely absurd to them. A common man from Nazareth who embraced the poor, who embraced the hurting, who seemed to shun those who were religious, who were trying to follow the law, who had a fervency after the law. A man who eventually was crucified on a cross, which was an instrument that was re reserved for the worst of all criminals. A symbol of justice to rid the world of repulsive people. Well, I don't think we understand this whole idea of the cross. It was basically like in our society today, it'd be someone who was getting the electric chair. Isn't the electric chair kind of reserved for the worst of all criminals? It was the very, it's the, it's the ones that we really, man, oh my goodness. This, this is what Jesus died on was the cross. This couldn't be the Savior that God had promised from long ago. Both the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the religious rulers of that day. Completely, they, they completely embraced God's love for others or God's law for others, God's law for others, but not for themselves. They would apply the law of God onto the lives of others. They want, you better do this, you got to do this, but they wouldn't apply it for themselves. Doesn't that sound familiar doesn't that kind of sound familiar in the political? I'm not going on either side, guys. I'm just saying both sides. Where all of a sudden politicians make up these laws and then they apply it to everybody else, but then they don't have to live by those laws? This is what's happening in that day. Paul was trying to share with these religious leaders the wonderful grace of God's love. And yet because their heart was so filled with hate and with jealousy, they couldn't grasp the possibility of God's love. The Bible states in 1 John 4.20, it says, If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Love and hate, they don't reside together. You have to choose one or, one or the other. You can't truly love if you're holding on to hate. Have you ever seen that illustration where all of a sudden they have a jar and there's like a rock inside the jar, whatever else, and you have to put your hand inside that jar. Maybe it's not a rock. Maybe it's a, a prize of, of something that's nice. And you put your hand inside that jar, and you grab it, and you can't get your hand out of the jar because your hand's in a fist. And then until, the only way to get your hand out of that jar, you have to let go of it so you can get your hand out. You see, you'll never really embrace the love of God if you're continually hanging on to hate. The only way that you're ever going to discover God's love in a real, in an authentic, and a, a way that can change your life is that you have to be willing to let go of hate. You have to open up your hand. Why do you think God's given us the ability to forgive? How many times must I forgive? Seventy times seven, Peter. Why? Because it lets go of hate. It lets go of those things that hold us back from really embracing all of God's love. 
See, embracing hate eventually changes everything about you. It will change the way you think, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you look. It changes everything. You hold on to hate too long. And there's, a, there's an old saying, I don't know if it's true or not. They say that, you know, couples that live long together, they've been married for 40, 50, they start looking alike. I don't know if Annette and I will ever look alike. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, yeah, I don't see it happening. But you know what? Have you ever met a person that's held on to hate for so long that you can see it in the countenance? It's the opposite of that person who's embraced the love of God. I can recognize when someone walks through the door and they're filled with the joy of the Lord. They're filled with God's presence. I go, man, that person loves God. I see it right. I see it in their countenance. When we hang on to hate, guess what? It changes everything about us. Back to the Apostle Paul. Look at the statement he shared with the mob and the religious leaders who wanted to kill him. He said in verse 3 of Acts 22, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up, by the, by, brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. He's sharing this to this council. Paul was trying to share with those who hated him that he understood their current thinking. Hey, guys, I was just like you. I know what you're going through right now. I love the law. Paul knew what it was like to embrace hate. He persecuted the followers of the way. He threw both men and women into prison. He stood and watched as, as people were stoned to death for their beliefs. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death. He was the first martyr presented in the gospel. He was stoned to death. Saul, the apostle Paul, was there watching it take place. He was so zealous for the law that the love of people was completely lost. And it should reveal to us that it's dangerous. If you want to write something down, write this down. It's dangerous to embrace God's law without God's love. It's, it's, it's dangerous to try to apply God's love onto people when you don't have God's love. It don't work. God's law and God's love are really one and the same, guys. In fact, when a Pharisee tried to trap Jesus with the question about which is the most important law of Moses, Jesus replied with the following answer in Matthew 22. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. This is the first and the greatest of the commandments. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, the entire law, everything in the Old Testament, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love God, love others. You see, the law of God is all about God's love. And the love of God is all about God's law. Let me explain. Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, 15, If you love me, obey my commandments. When we love something, we will embrace it. When we love God, we will naturally embrace what God loves. I was out golfing this week. had the opportunity. Annette and I went off to Coeur d'Alene for a few days. And it was wonderful. And... Um, I was out in the golf course, and, and I was taking some pictures because we were at a really nice uh, golf course, and I was taking pictures of everything, and, and uh, I got up to tee off again, and, and uh, I was going to take another picture. I couldn't find my phone, my cell phone, my app. Where is it at? It's gone. 
I just had it like two minutes ago. I went into panic mode. Where's my phone? I'm looking. It's not there. Come on. How many have lost your phone before? You know what I'm talking about. You, your heart starts to Where's my phone? I do everything with my phone. And I couldn't find it. I, I took my bag apart. All three of the other players are helping me take my bag apart, going through there. And they're really, really cautious like I have something bad in my bag. I say, hey, guys, go through my bag. Try to find it for me. <laughs> I want my phone. I thought I lost it. I drove back to the other tee box, looking for my phone. Panic mode. I had put it in the other person's golf cart accidentally. We found it. But I share that really simple, kind of a dumb story. But it really shows you how passionate about I was about a phone. How passionate are you about God? Are you, if you lost that love of God, would you be in panic mode? Would you be so passionate? Where is it? Where? See, we need to have a passion for the things of God. We need to have a passion. If you love God, you're going to love the commandments of God. Because it's who he is. They're one and the same. If you love me, you obey my commandments. It's why I often share, I share this over and over and over again in our church. If you want to stop sinning, then stop focusing on your sin and start focusing on Jesus. If you want to stop sinning, living a life, if you're, if you're just, man, Pastor Tom, I can't, stop focusing on the sin. Start focusing on Jesus. You see, as you draw close to Christ, guess what? Sin just naturally starts to fall off of your life. Why? Because the things of God don't have anything to do with sin, and you'll start, your whole mindset will change. You'll start loving Jesus and everything about Jesus. And guess what? Those things that you used to love, just to start falling away. The problem is so many times what we do is we focus on the sin. See, these guys, these Jewish religious leaders, they were so focused on the law that they couldn't see the love of God. Paul understood this truth. He lived it. He was trying to set people free from this, this hatred that comes from Loving the law instead of loving God. I've seen it in parents. I'm going to step on some toes. Some of you parents love your rules more than you love your kids. Boy, that was really quiet. No one said anything. I know what I'm talking about. I raised three kids. God had to continually put me in check. Tom, those are my children. I love them. Make sure you're not falling in love, in, the, in love with your rules instead of falling in love with your children. And it's really easy to blur the line sometimes. But if you remember, why did you create the rules in the first place? When you had kids, why did you create the rules? Wasn't it for their protection? Evan, it, 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 if you run into that street, I know we have another Evan. I'm talking about my Evan. But yeah, that applies to you, Evan, as well. But you're a little older now. Evan, three years old, if you run in the street, you're going to get spanking. Pastor Tom, you spanked? Yeah. I was careful, but I spanked. Why? Because I didn't want him running in the street. I loved my child enough that I had created rules for his protection. God loves you enough that he has created rules in your life for your protection. That's how much he loves you. 
You see, I'm trying to blend the two together so you understand that God's law cannot be without God's love. And God's love cannot be without God's law. They go one and the same. They're both together. The battle for all of us is it's, it's constant. We have to continually evaluate what's leading our lives. Are we being led by hate or by love? Paul, especially in today's society right now with everything that's going on, man, your heart can turn so quickly to hate right now. When you see certain things that take place, you just hold on to love, I'm telling you. Paul's sharing his testimony, hoping that it will be received by those who are hating him and hating the gospel. But it was to no avail. Hate was running too deep into their hearts and it was, it was blinding them from the truth. When you hate so much, all of a sudden you just get blinded. How many of you have road rage? Come on, be honest with me. I was on the road today, right here in Del Bispo, driving to church. And, and all of a sudden this guy came out of the left turn lane and cut right in front of me. I was going straight. I almost hit him. But you know what? I was pretty proud of myself. I didn't go to hate. I did honk, though. But I did not go to hate. I know I didn't, so don't judge me right now. I didn't go to hate. I didn't go chase after him. I didn't do any of that crazy stuff. Because I'm learning about the love of God. It's changing your pastor, amen? Come on. Aren't you glad your pastor's getting changed? I want you to recognize, and it's important that we recognize this, that it was God who led Paul to both Jerusalem and to Rome to share the truth of the gospel. In verse 11 of Acts 23, the Lord speaks to Paul. says, be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. I think sometimes we think Paul was on his own rogue mission. Like, I mean, even the elders of the church were trying to discourage him. Don't do this, Paul, the elders in Ephesus. Don't go to Jerusalem. If you go to Jerusalem, it, it's a death sentence for you, Paul. Don't do it, Paul. Don't do it. But there was something compelling about the love of God. There was something deep in his heart that he knew God was drawing in there to give them one more chance to share his love. God's love to these people who are so filled with hate, they need to know who better could do, could do it than the Apostle Paul, the persecutor of Christians, whose life was radically changed. If anyone can share the gospel to these people, it was Paul. He was given a mission by God to go share his, God's love to them. God wanted them to know the truth about his son Jesus. He wanted them to find the Savior. And this should be in the heart of each and every one of us. That we want to present the gospel to all people. This should also show us God's love is a choice. God's love is not forced upon you. You will never find that in scripture at all. God's love is revealed to you and it's your choice if you want to choose to accept his love or reject his love. This is what this whole three chapters is talking about. Many people choose to reject God's love. Because God's love requires sacrifice. How many like to sacrifice? Yeah, no, I don't want to. It does require sacrifice. It's choosing to surrender your life by following Jesus. And following Jesus requires sacrifice. We see it throughout the Gospels. Jesus walks up to the disciples and says, hey, before the disciples, they're just fishermen. Hey, follow me. They left everything to follow Jesus. Are you willing to sacrifice to understand God's love for your life? I'm not saying you have to leave everything, but spiritually you do. Spiritually you have to say, 
I'm dead to all these things. I don't care. I'm following Christ no matter what happens. For me and my household, I am going to serve the Lord. I'm choosing that for my life. Look at Paul's life. It was a life of sacrifice. It was choosing to put God's will in front of his own will time and time again. Even towards the end of Paul's life, he chose to return to Jerusalem because he knew that he had to preach the gospel. Paul recognized the power of God's love. He understood it. Why would he understand God's love? Because something happened that day on the road to Damascus when he saw the light where all of a sudden it changed him forever that day. God's love changes our life. But you have to choose to accept it and to receive it and to embrace it. It will never change your life if you don't make the choice to accept God's love. Paul could have remained in his hate because he hated it. But instead he chose to lay down his hate, put it down, and embrace God's love. And in doing so, God, uh, God's love changed the Apostle Paul. Changed him from a person who was filled with hate thoughts of murder and practice murder to a person who is willing to sacrifice his very own life for the love of others. God's love can only change us when we're willing to surrender to his love. It's what I call the touch of the master's hand. It's just that touch that all of a sudden hits you and it's like, you wonder what? It's the power of the spirit of God touching your life, setting you free. Are you willing to surrender your life to God's love? That's the powerful truth that I want to remind you today. You have two choices in life. You can choose to accept God's love, or you can choose not to. But by accepting God's love, I guarantee it will change your life. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Man, your word is so powerful. It's effective. It touches us from the very core of our being. I pray today for every person here in the audience, every person that's watching us online. Open up our hearts, Lord God. Change us with your love, with the power of your love. Help us to embrace love, not hate, especially in today's society. Let us, Lord God, step out and be different. Be different than everyone else. Lead with love. I just feel compelled today if you're sitting here and I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands but I do want your just for a moment can you just close your eyes if you feel comfortable in doing so if you watch this online I encourage you to do so if you're here today and you know Pastor Tom you're hitting me right between the eyes I've been watching the news and the news is filling me with hate I've been reading articles it's filled with hate I've been going through a relationship issue and I'm filled with hate my girlfriend left me and my boyfriend left me. My mom or dad said something that I just didn't like. And I, boy, I just, I, I, my heart's not, it's hurting, it's not right. And, and I'm not saying you don't know Christ, but you just kind of allowed some things to come into your life that could set you on the wrong path. And you just needed a reminder, a course change, a course of direction, a course correction. <laughs> Today is that day to make that course correction. And I would love for you today just say a prayer in your heart. And I, I'm going to give you the example right now. Lord, 
I choose to lay down my offenses. I choose to lay down my hate or my jealousy. I choose to lay down anything and everything, Lord God, that would distract me from picking up your love. God, I, God, I pray right now, reveal your love to me once again. Help me, Lord God, to forgive and to choose righteousness, Lord. I ask you, God, fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord God, to continue to I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I encourage you, man, embrace love today. And freak people out. Put a smile on your face. Walk up into the grocery line when everybody else is freaked out. I know, but paint a smile on your mask, okay, when you go in. So you have something there. And just be kind to people and love people and sacrifice for one another. Watch what God will do in and through your life. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.